The B2B sales world is in turmoil. Quota attainment is down. Revenue growth is slowed. Turnover is up. All of this is in the face of ever-increasing pressure to perform. Is it a surprise that the average sales leader stays in place for only 12 to 18 months? That's barely enough time to start executing the strategy. These problems are fixable, and we are going to serve the sales leadership community with this show. I'm Lucas Price. I've launched and exited B2B startups and built elite sales organizations. Now I want to give back by bringing you this podcast, Building Elite Sales Teams. It will be full of actionable best practices to help you excel as a sales leader. We're going to burn the churn. Let's get back to winning. Building Elite Sales Teams is on. Welcome to Building Elite Sales Teams. This is your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. And as you might have already figured out, I am playing the role of stunt host. And we have another great founders feature uh, planned for you today. So let's dive right into it. So how do you productively confront and manage difficult conversations? That's a question that many leaders struggle with, and that's especially the case when you're talking about new leaders in B2B sales. Considering that most of the churn in your organization is directly attributable to what your line leaders do or don't do, this is a critical capability that you need to master. So how do you build a sales culture where you can productively confront and consistently manage difficult conversations? That's what we're going to tackle today. And as usual in our Founders feature, we've put uh, Lucas, our fearless host, back on the hot seat to help share his insights. Lucas, welcome to your show. Thanks for hosting for me, and I'm look, looking forward to this conversation. This is going to get pretty tactical, and I'm looking forward to the conversation because every leader at some point can struggle with setting the tone and setting the expectations and creating the conditions necessary to have the type of conversations that you need to have so that you're enabling a high-performance team. So this is gonna be a very timely and useful conversation, especially when we think about some of the macroeconomic conditions that we're dealing with today and how that can show up in the conversations that leaders need to have with their people. Now, before we dive in, I want you to get uh, all of our new listeners up to speed on a little bit of your background and your story. Two-time founder, and I've also been a sales leader, had a long journey as a sales leader where I worked at ZipWhip from less than a million dollars in ARR to build the team that took it to over $100 million in ARR before it sold to Twilio two and a half years ago. So I've been in the founder seat as I am now with Yardstick, but a lot of my background is around sales and sales leadership and Yardstick is a product for sales and for sales leadership. And so I focus a lot on that. And solving the people problems that go along with that. The, uh, the piece of context that's going to be important for our listeners to know, in addition to what you just said, is that you have experience working within uh, B2B tech at all different stages of development. So you've gone from like zero to a hundred million. So that represents different stages of organizational development. And it also represents different strategies that you need to use to make sure that you're capitalizing on the capabilities of your people. Let's set the stage a little bit. I think every manager, as I mentioned before, can struggle with giving effective feedback, having difficult conversations in a way that it actually drives behavior change. But before we get into the how do you do that piece, I'd like you to take a step back and tell us a little bit about the stage that needs to be set within your organization that allows for those conversations to happen. So when you think about creating the type of environment where those conversations end up being productive, what are the things that you as a leader 
paid particular attention to as you were growing ZipWhip and as you're growing Yardstick? A big part of it is creating the type of safe environment where people understand that the feedback is to get better. And so you're being hard on the issues. You're not being hard on the people. And so it's having that kind of trusted environment, open communication, helping people understand that it's a place where they're, you're trying to help them succeed. I also think that people have different points of view about what's going on. And I think one of the challenging things is you can come in with a point of view to a conversation where with another individual and they are going to oftentimes they might try to tell you're wrong and you might be wrong and you might not be wrong. And I think that can be like times like you can as a leader, you can walk away from it feeling did they just give me a story that's their side of the story that's not really accurate. And so there's something I should have pushed them to do that I didn't really push them to do because they convinced me that I was, that I had the story wrong and maybe did I have it wrong? There can be this like cycle of, I, I'm really having difficulty getting to the truth. And so now because I've been pushed around so many times, I'm just going to come in really strong and I'm not going to listen to what they have to say. And I'm just going to tell them this is the way it is. And which creates like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of relationship with the people on the team. And so listening to that and understanding and asking questions is like really incredibly important to it, but also sorting and getting to the truth can be like very difficult. And so this is a topic that tends to not have one simple, easy answer, but you always have to go in with the attitude. I'm going to explore. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to understand and still find the balance between I'm not going to get bulldozed by people just convincing me. And like finding that balance can be like very difficult in some challenging situations. There's a lot there that we can expand on. And I'm going to pick two areas of what you said and get some detail around it. One of the things that you said early on in your answer that I really liked was you need to be disciplined in making sure that you're being hard on the issues versus being hard on the person. So that's a great phrase. How do you do that? For me, it starts on day one of working with someone. One of my day one issues is, hey, let's talk about what it's like to work together. The, the types of communication things that are difficult for you, the types of communication things that are difficult for me. And one of the things I'll tell them about me is, hey, if you tell me you're going to do something and you don't do it and you don't communicate the new timeline or what's changed or why you're not doing it, that's like a trust losing issue for me. And that's just one example about, hey, I, I understand that sometimes you're going to say this is going to be done on Friday. And you're going to get into it and you're going to realize you were wrong. The scope is different than you expected or other things that came up. And so if you come and tell me, hey, this isn't going to be done on Friday. Now it's going to be Wednesday. I'm probably going to be like pretty understanding about that. Unless we really talked about how important this deadline is or something like that. I'm going to be pretty understanding about that. If you if Friday comes and goes and it's not done and you never say anything to me about it and two weeks later comes and it's not done and you've never said anything to me about it, that's where I'm going to be less understanding. And so that's one of my communication issues that I try to set that expectation on day one with people. And I think that's where it starts is setting the expectations, like what it is, how you expect to work with each other, how you expect to communicate with each other very early on. That's one of the ways that you can set the foundation for being hard on the issues instead of being hard on the people. And then 
when something happens, when this doesn't, when the, the community, to use that same example, when the communication doesn't happen, then we can focus on that. We can focus on that the communication didn't happen and, you know, how we fix that going forward, why that's a loss of trust and not, and be less about, hey, you're a bad, it's not about you're a bad person because this communication happened. It's more, hey, this is my expectation for how we work together. Are we going to be able to keep that expectation? Do we need to change the expectation? So that's one of the ways that you can you can set the foundation and then continue to focus on the issues instead of on on turning into discussions about someone's bad intentions or personal flaws. I really like your point about the day one conversation that you have. And I think in general, I typically when I'm having conversations, it's with uh, HR leadership. And when I'm thinking about what's often said in those conversations, it's the idea of giving the pip up front. And that sounds like really harsh, but it's really clearly laying out your work styles, your expectations, what the job expectations are, and having this two-way conversation on day one or early in the process so you're setting the proper foundation. So I like that concept, and I think you and I are on the same page in terms of mapping those things out on the very front end of a relationship so that you're setting yourself up for success and you're mitigating the amount of surprises that you might get. So that's a day one early stage conversation. How do you carry that principle forward so that it becomes embedded in the life cycle of that person that is on your team? When you ask that question, I think a little bit about the book Radical Candor. And one of the things in the book is that we're all familiar with is, hey, let's be honest with people when, they're, when their work isn't good enough. But I think the part that you need to make sure that you bring into that as well is, hey, we're doing that with a relationship where this person understands that we care about them. And so a lot of times I've had people who've disagreed with me, my thinking on this, but my thinking on it is, hey, th if, if there's an employee who's doing low quality work, who doesn't work directly with me, doesn't have a lot of experience with me, I might not go to them and say, this is where your work is falling short. I might go to their manager and hope that their manager has that type of relationship with them and say, hey, this is where so-and-so's work is falling short. Have you noticed it? Am I wrong about this? Are you having a conversation? Are you getting better? And not with the idea of, hey, I'm trying to go behind their back or won't talk to their face or anything. Depending on the type of work, in, in specific instances of it, this color is wrong on the website, something like that. I'll give the direct feedback. Hey, can we change the color on the website so that it's consistent with our brand? But if there's like a pattern, and I think that giving that direct feedback about the pattern shouldn't necessarily, shouldn't always come from me. Sometimes there's like an appropriate person for it to come from if I'm not working directly with that person. And so I think like the radical candor idea, you, you have to fit both those pieces together. I'm going to be like very honest about what parts of the work are going well and what parts of the work should be better. But in some situations, I'm not the person to deliver that honesty and I might need to figure out who is the right person to, to deliver that because I just don't have the relationship with them because of the way the organization is structured where they're not going to understand or, or have this feeling with me of, hey, I deeply care about them as well. Now, the people on my team, my direct reports, I should be building that relationship with them where I both, they know that I deeply care about them and that I will tell them the truth about what parts of their work are really good 
and what parts of their work could continue to improve. It seems like you're putting a pretty strong emphasis on building the relationship first with the individual that's across from you before you deliver that sort of candid message about production or performance. And I think that's an important distinction to make in general. And it actually got me thinking about one of my favorite books, which is The Challenger Sale. And the idea or the underpinning of The Challenger Sale is that you need to lead with insight. You need to create a, a scenario around you where your buyer is thinking about the problem in a unique way and allows you to explore that in pursuit of a solution. And that makes a lot of sense. But before you can actually challenge somebody on their assumptions or how they see their worldview, you have to have the relationship first. So I like the emphasis that you made on building the relationship first and making sure that person across from you actually understands that you're committed to their success as a necessary requirement for that candid conversation. What are your thoughts on my parallel that I just drew there? Yeah, I think that the, I generally agree. I think that it is a little bit of a, it depends. Like when someone's new at the job and you're working together for the first time, you're going to be giving them a lot of feedback and building re the relationship at the same time. Now, I, what I'm talking about is someone who's not new at the job. You don't just want to like parachute in and telling them everything that they need to improve on that you've been in the same company for a long time, but you just haven't had work, work closely together and built that relationship. And so there is a bit of it, it depends. And but there are situations, maybe you're placed together and you weren't close, but now you're becoming close and delivering that feedback at the same time. And there are times where it happens in parallel, but it does need to happen in kind of the right quantities and the right mix where it doesn't just feel like here's someone who then told me everything I did wrong and then left. One of the issues that we commonly see with early stage leaders is that they err on the side of being too nice and they remove the kindness aspect of what they need to do. And being kind is telling the truth and laying the truth out in a way that's consumable and prompts action. So when you talk about the right mix of how to deliver the message and how to deliver a difficult message, walk us through what that framework looks like. How do you have these conversations? What should the structure be? One of the mistakes that leaders make sometimes is not being totally clear about the parts of the feedback or the coaching about where the employee needs to get better. And there's a, people write sometimes about the compliment sandwich, which is like a compliment and then something you need to improve. And then another compliment and the reason and how that doesn't really work. And I think part of the reason it doesn't really work is because the candidate thinks here's the two compliments and they might miss the part that they need to get better. And so I think it is important to be really clear on how to get better. Now, if you're always being negative, someone, hey, Jim, get better at this and this, that that employee is going to develop a feeling that, hey, Lucas doesn't really care about me. He's not really trying to help me. He's just hypercritical. And so how do you fight against the idea of like, all right, being hypercritical all the time on the one hand, and on the other hand, doing the compliment sandwich where the, the feedback isn't getting clear. I've read books and see th seen things where it's like, hey, the, the positive feedback that you give people so that they know what they should do more of, they should get five to six times as much of that as the negative feedback of the things that they need to improve. But the thing that they need to improve should be the last thing that you give them in a conversation or it should be clear in the comp. So I, I think trying not to soften it, trying to be really clear about where you want them to improve is like more important than making sure that every conversation finishes on a positive feeling. So that's how I'd think about structuring the conversation is being like really thoughtful, being deliberate, 
hey, I'm having this meeting with Jim today and these are the things that I want him to improve. But these are also the things that he's doing great that I want him to know more of and thoughtful about how to deliver it. Don't soften it. Don't try to make it easy because it, it can end up like not being clear, but also make sure that the, the employee knows what they're doing really well also. So I like how you've positioned that where you're putting the item that needs to be improved on the back end of the conversation. So it's the last thing that you talk about. The thing that I'm wondering is if you sequence it that way, where the improvement item is on the back end of the conversation, how do you build accountability for results into that conversation? So in this scenario, you've told me I need to work on something. And oftentimes what happens, we know this happens, everybody's busy. And then the next time we talk about it, we're on to the next thing that needs to be sorted. So what can leaders do to build accountability in, in, in action into that area of improvement so that individual is actually getting developed versus just a, another one of those things that'll be forgotten uh, the next week? The first thing is to gauge the person's reaction to it. And when I say gauge, ask, what do you think? Do you agree that this is an area that you can get better at, that you want to get better at? And first of all, it's like, getting agreement over the feedback. And then if they agree, that's something that they want to work on. If they don't, then obviously there's more conversation to have. If they do agree, then it's, all right, what are you going to do about it? What is your plan for improving this? And once you've started working on that plan and once you've completed that plan, how are you going to keep me in the loop of how it's going, of these changes that you're making? And so I think it's, it's, putting the impetus on them to decide whether they're going to make the changes and then having them build a follow-up and communication plan that includes me. It may, depending on where everyone's situated in the organization, it may include communicating with other people as well, but it's putting the impetus on them to make the plan, to do the follow-up. What if they don't know how to start? Because oftentimes you can be told, hey, you need to work on this. And I'll sit there and be like, I have no idea how to make progress on it. I'm not necessarily in agreement that this is something that I need to work on. So that's a different issue. But yeah. let's talk a little bit more about getting them started on the right path if probably in a situation where they're paralyzed by the feedback. It's something that I'm always willing to brainstorm with them on. And so I'm not saying that all of the ideas for the development plan have to come from them, but I think, okay, here's three ideas about what you could do. What do you think of those three ideas? Oh, I like this one. Okay. So when are you going to try doing that? What do you think you should, what do you think you should do in terms of taking that one of the three? And so it, it continues to be a conversation and it continues to be like getting them to buy in. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to have all the ideas and they have to figure it out all by themselves. But it does mean ultimately with it, you want to end the conversation with the, the person who's receiving the feedback saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is when I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to let you know how it goes. That's a good framework. And I want to dig in into even more of a challenging scenario with you. So let's put it in context. Let's say you have somebody that's on your team that's not performing and yeah. it's at the level where you need to walk through a performance improvement plan and talk through that and build and still work with that person to get them over to the other side. So you're talking about a really difficult situation. And oftentimes when people hear about PIPs, they're already checking out. So how yeah. do you need to carry that conversation forward that still, as much as you can, keeps that person committed with the intent of having them turn the corner and get back to being productive? 
think it comes down to authenticity because there's there's going to be managers in that situation who say, hey, Jim, I'm determined to help you turn the corner on this and succeed, who mean it and who don't, right? Because there are situations like we, we know there are managers out there who are like, hey, this is one of the steps I need to take with HR in order to move on from this person who I don't believe in anymore. And if that's the, your authentic feelings as a manager, then that employee probably knows it and probably isn't going to stay checked in. And there are some exceptions to that. There are some employees who have proved their manager wrong over the years during their pit, but that's what happens most of the time. If the manager says they're committed to helping them succeed, means it, takes follow-up actions to help them succeed, then that's going to keep them engaged. And so a lot of it is it's about communicating the truth in an authentic way, meaning it and taking follow-up steps to show that person. And that's usually what it's going to take to, to keep that uh, person on the PIP engaged and, and determined to, to overcome and succeed despite the PIP. When we're talking about this, these sort of situations where you are navigating these difficult conversations and let's put it at the line manager level. So your first line or second line leaders who might be somewhat new at this, how should they be leveraging more senior leaders or their peers to get more effective in having these conversations? What are the steps that they need to take to be better at, the, at these sort of conversations? Yeah, that's a great question because these are conversations that those first line leaders, if they're new in the position, they haven't done it a lot before. And so I, I think that asking your manager, asking your leaders to role play it with you, when you know that you're going into a conversation, it's going to be a difficult one. And you know that the employee who works for you is gonna push back and is gonna have a different point of view. I think role-playing it to try to avoid the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation where you're either like really hard line, don't listen at all, or really nice and get pushed, up, pushed over or flip back and forth between the two. So how, how can I listen? How can I understand? How can I try to get to the truth of the situation and ha have high standards all at the same time? I think getting that right is difficult and practicing the scenario with your manager, with your director beforehand can be really helpful. Or if you're a director or executive and your manager's walking into a conversation like that, pulling them aside and saying, hey, let's practice this for a few minutes. Some of the things that might come up before you walk into that conversation can be a, a great help to that manager. I like the fact that, that you called out the need of senior leaders to pull aside those managers and go through a scenario and role play. In order for that role play to be productive, what are some of the scenarios or elements of that role play that senior leaders should get on the radar of that line manager so that they're well-prepared heading into that conversation? Hopefully that you have a senior leader who's dealt with a number of these conversations before. And the nature of each conversation is going to be a little bit different. It's different if it's a PIP versus someone who didn't show up for work one day versus they're just doing one part of their job at not quite the high level. And so a lot of it depends on the nature of the conversation, but your senior leaders probably had all of those conversations before. And so as a senior leader, if I were doing that, I might write down a few notes on things that have particularly challenging in those conversations when I've had them. And then I would play the frontline employee, the manager is going to play the manager in the role play, and I'm going to give them some of the more challenging situations that could come up just so that we can stop and say, okay, let's think about how you'll deal with this if it does come up after we've done the role play. Great stuff, Lucas. As as usual, it's uh, fun having you on the hot seat and, and sharing some of your perspectives and experience with us.
So when you look back to look back on this conversation and you think about some of the key things that you want the listeners to pay attention to when it comes to navigating difficult conversations, what are the major things that they need to have on their radar and take with them as they move into their teams and, and are working through these situations? Yeah, the best leaders have build very strong relationships with their teams and hold their teams to high standards, communicate those standards very clearly and practice the situations that are difficult for you to encounter. I think for some leaders, the difficult situation is showing the empathy and for other leaders, it's holding the high standards. So if you have someone that you can practice those conversations with beforehand, because you want to make sure that you that you're doing both in those conversations. You're building the strong relationships and you're holding very high standards. Lucas, if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also go to our website, yardstick.team. And there's a few different ways to get in touch with me via our website. It was fun hanging out with you and chatting through a very important topic for any leader, but especially those leaders who are at the front lines of early stage and accelerating growth sales organizations. There's something that you mentioned early on that is very important for everybody to keep in mind. When you're navigating these difficult conversations, you need to be extremely disciplined when it comes to being hard on the issues versus being hard on the person. And the way that you can facilitate your ability to do that or create the conditions where you can do that effectively is that you have to set the expectations up front and early. Where a lot of leaders go wrong is that they're not clear in their expectations up front. And that creates this cascade where by the time things are starting to bubble up and go wrong, it's often too late. So if you're looking at setting yourself up for success when it comes to navigating these difficult conversations, you'll be well served by laying out the issues and the process with a level of clarity up front, revisiting that throughout your engagements with that employee. So that way they are clear on what's expected and then you can have an ongoing conversation from there. So really appreciate you sharing that with us. For those of you who have listened to the conversation, appreciate you hanging out. Make sure you leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in next time where we'll have more for you on how you can build an elite sales team. Thanks for joining us today on Building Elite Sales Teams. Please remember to give us a five-star review. And if you want more information about Yardstick, you can find us at www.yardstick.team. You can follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn by searching for Lucas Price. 